0: You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn.
1: And thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in southern Ontario a beautiful place to be, especially this time of year. Good morning, Scott, how are you? I'm doing
2: well, thank you, Dolores. Just bracing for another Ford announcement and wondering what happened to the sunshine. But other than that, I'm doing just <laughs> fine.
1: It sounds, it sounds kind of depressing. <laughs> what happened to the sunshine <laughs> and what's the announcement gonna be? I don't know. It's Friday, not Monday, right?
2: Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when announcements come, you know, as, as Wayne will probably allude to when we get to this, when announcements come on Friday, that's never good.
1: Never no. good. Never <laughs> no. a good sign. Good Lord. I, I want to give a shout out to our tech sponsor, Brian Lachapelle from V4 Networks. Uh, Brian, you always make us sound so great. How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing really well. Thanks.
1: Great. Thank you. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about affordable housing in South Niagara. It's a, a growing concern and I know that the pandemic has put even more pressure on an already stressed system. I, I also know that this is not an issue that's unique just to, to us here in Niagara. Scott, we've touched on this briefly in a couple of previous podcasts, uh, but it's an important conversation to have. So Scott, who do we have joining us this morning?
2: Well, thanks Dolores. This morning we have Joan Huritz, uh, Assistant Professor from and uh, Assistant Professor of Political Science at Brock University and the author of the recent report, Looking Ahead and Looking Up uh, Affordable Housing in Niagara. Uh, Wayne Campbell, who we've had, uh, is backed by Popular Demand, counselor with the City of Niagara Falls and uh, member of the Housing Needs Technical Advisory Committee, and Mark Carl, CEO, of Habitat for Humanity in Niagara. And uh, I think we'll get started with the first question, uh, and it's a pretty basic one, and we'll start. Uh, First, um, with Joan. Um, is it, what is the issue here? Uh, how much of an issue is affordable housing in the Niagara region? Okay.
3: Well, let me start off by um, just thanking you for the invitation to be on this program today, and uh, so you're saying, what is the issue? That's the question. Well, that's a that's a, a big question. A broad um, question,
2: but how, how, big of an, how big of an issue? Let's start with that.
3: Okay. Well, it it is it's um for some of us i don't think it's as much of an issue if we if we have a place to live but for a lot of us um it is a big issue because housing is instrumental to somebody's um livelihood to their well-being so we can talk about um educational factors we can talk about health factors or indicators but it 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 has um you know studies have shown that having a place to live having a, a secure place uh, to to reside, and in some, in you know, in a lot of cases too, to raise your family is the most important uh, foundation. And then after that, everything can fall into place. Health indicators improve, and, and and everything else. So it is it is a big issue. And over time, I think it's going to be a bigger issue because we're going to see if things are set presently the way they are. Uh, it's going to become more. Um, drastic for, pe- for some people to find housing across Niagara.
2: Right, all right, okay. Uh, Wayne, uh, from your perspective?
4: Well, I can't even begin to imagine a young family, uh, where they're gonna live, how they're gonna live, uh, buying a house, uh, all those things that when I was First marriage were easy to do, but it, it's almost impossible at this point. Even, even at the lower rates here in Niagara area, it's still way out of reach for the majority of people. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's only getting worse. And 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 Mark, you must uh, the demands now must be more so than ever uh, from a habitat humanity standpoint.
0: Yeah. Yes, we do see it, and and we see it solely because as a uh, as Joan and Wayne talked about the the you know the, the new new individuals when I say new individuals trying to get into the housing market, so the youth, the uh, new people to new Canadians coming, uh, but but more importantly, we see a lot of the youth who are now saying, um, I, "I just can't afford a house at this time. Yeah. I can't afford the down payment. I can't afford the." Uh, I, it's it's more a lot around the down payment that you, you know as there is, mm. you know as as Joan and Wayne said is. Individuals like us who may have a house or already have you know, a house to live in and have our families and stuff, we're like, yay, the price went up. Great. Look at our equity's gone up. But if you're somebody trying to enter the market, trying to buy a house to raise your family, uh, to have stability and a safe, decent place to live, you've got to come up with that down payment. You've got to qualify for the mortgage and you've got to make those mortgage payments that are going to be way above... What kind of the thirty percent of your income? So if you think of uh, you know your mortgage payment is now over thirty percent, that cuts into everything. That cuts into your your kids' tuitions, uh, uh, tutoring if you need it, tutoring for your child at school who needed some catching up. That cuts into you know them being able to maybe play on that sporting team that they wanted to play on or right. something like that. So that those are those are the challenges, the kind of long term effect challenges that we see. Uh, we see a, an increase, and uh, on that level too, we we see. Um, we see an opportunity too to go to more uh dense housing, so like you know stack condos, townhouses for habitat homes, mm-hmm. but uh, we also see the challenge we can talk about it later about uh our current land prices you know are mm-hmm. our, uh, our challenge when for any developers coming in or trying to make affordable housing it's a it's a challenge so
1: yeah. So so the way I understand it, when we talk about housing, there's um, three issues that that are considered. So the first is the affordable housing, uh, which is households paying more than 30% uh, of their before tax income, as Mark said. Adequate housing, which refers to homes needing major repairs, lacking basic services or infestation with vermin, mold, et cetera. And suitable housing, which often refers to overcrowding in households, which we're seeing a lot more of here in Niagara. Do any of you know the status of these three issues here in Niagara? Is one issue greater um, than the other right now in Niagara? Good question, huh?
4: Well, from my perspective, uh, um, the difficult is the low wage individuals that are verging on the, the, the point of homelessness. And uh, we see a great great need for that here in Niagara Falls. I, I think that we have more homeless people than other areas because uh, initially it was cheaper, but it's still really, really difficult and expensive. But uh, um, I just had a, a, a Zoom meeting with the regional planning the other day. And the prediction is that the Niagara area, there's going to be an influx of people that will be more than those that presently live in St. Catharines and in Niagara mm-hmm. Falls by 2050. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to deal with that in terms of housing? Like, um, That's the big question. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Joanne, I mean, in your report, you project that we'll need more than 67,000 more homes in Niagara by 2041. Right. To meet our growing population. Like how, how do we get there? Yes.
3: (laughs) I know. And and I think one of the other things to look at too, especially if you're looking at South Niagara is is, um, tourism and the fact that it's very dependent on the service industry and the wages of people who are in that industry are, are, are in a lower wage back bracket. Um, so that their need for you know, affordable housing is is going to be um, is you know is, is very uh, prevalent so that um, you need to, you need to house people who are working in that tourist industry that you need you know for your economy so that is going to be uh, and then uh, as Wayne was saying too um, the fact that the prices of these homes even people who are you know if you have double, Income earners who are making minimum wage or just above that, they're in no position to buy a, a home. You know, they're they're um, so that you have a lot of people who are going to be dependent on rental or, uh, you know, or other rental housing. And, and, are you is you know, is there enough, um, are there enough units for that? Are you going to be able to accommodate this? Isn't the type of, of, um, of a build that most developers want to do or that, you know, most people want to invest in, but there is going to be a definite need for that Um, going, like the numbers going ahead, I should say, the numbers moving ahead are indicating that that segment is not going to change. So that we're still going to see, um, you know, that um, group that will um, have lower wages be in the service industry um, that really, um, that the tourist industry requires and um, so that's that's really part of the forecast as well.
4: Well, just for what it's worth, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, minimum wage workers. I know for a fact that uh, a big hotel here in Niagara Falls goes and picks up people from the uh, uh, Toronto area uh, mm-hmm. to work in their facilities. And, and it's because they've had to close floors they haven't had people to 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 clean and and put the rooms back into condition, and they pay them better than minimum wage, and they give them uh, health care, which, for a lot of people, I think that's extremely important to have uh, that that in your back pocket, health care mm. benefits. Right. Yeah,
3: and it does
1: It definitely does impact business because um, you know if we don't have the workforce, um, it. How do you run a business? Uh, you're yeah. A great. Way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I know um, Scott uh, in previous podcasts when we when we had the um, group talking about uh, just the building boom here in Niagara, we we talked about how Niagara isn't really built around rental units and, and condos. It's not. It's not anything that we've really had in the past and and now we're starting to see them and and it's funny the, the minute a condo development is announced it's it's sold out <laughs> you know uh, but it's not something that that we're used to down here and um and so we're trying to play catch up but we are very very far behind did i remember that right scott
2: yeah and, and i think the, the other thing is you know talking about rentals as, as a solution uh that's great, except, you know, and, I, and I, I know some some supers here, and I know, you know, some of the new buildings are, that are going up, you know, you're looking at $1,700 a month. So it's not mm-hmm. not like the old days where you went, oh, I'm in a rental, I'm paying, you know, $650. Um, yeah. okay. You know, it's just mm-hmm. other than the down payment, which Mark alluded to earlier, I mean, you're still tapping into your your lifestyle greatly and, uh, mm-hmm. and trying to move forward. So I don't, you know, it's, it is a solution, but it's, it's, it's no longer a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Scott on that level, what's happening too. And I, you know, had a call the other day from a family, they were paying for many years. They lived there for 10 years or eight years, roughly. And they were paying 1200 a month rent. The landlord sold the home, right? Because of the, 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 the increase in the market. And, you know, in one way, you can't blame the landlord. It's an opportunity to what he invested, he or she invested in. But the reverse side of it is the next houses that they were looking at were 20, 2000 to 2200. So if you think about that over over a year, you know, an increase of 800 to $1000 a month coming out of some, you know, and that's in and their jobs and, and they work, you know, they work in a, in in the service industry and their jobs wouldn't uh, during, even during the pandemic, they're, obviously their jobs wouldn't have increased or they wouldn't have more income, but they will be forced to pay that more that more that more of a rent to have that situation to live in a, It might be a bigger house or it might be a smaller house, but at the same time, that is a great deal of money coming out of a family's bottom line uh, with three children, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. we also, um, again, when we were talking about the building boom, um, we talked about, you know, we deferred mortgages that um, the program that was offered early on in the pandemic. And as, as those, deferred mortgages come due people are finding themselves in a position where they've got to sell their, their home. Like they just, they just can't. And, and so, you know, they're, they're selling in a hot market right now, but the reality is they're not able to afford to buy something else. And so what we're seeing is that more people are looking for rental units and or are moving in back in with their parents or with their children and so you you do have this issue of, you know, too many people um living in a home and um and I think we're going to see
4: more of that as well. I think I think we are. You know, that virtually there are no one bedroom apartments available in in Niagara Falls because of uh people buying houses people from Toronto and uh turning them into Airbnbs. Yeah. And We've had to hire more uh, uh, law enforcement, uh, by law enforcement officers. And uh, it's crazy. I'll I'll bet you there's well over 2,000 Airbnbs here in Niagara Falls, it's crazy.
1: It is crazy. And so um, Wayne, I know the city of Niagara Falls um, has a a working group right now, uh, hired some consultants to look at this issue. I know that we've had, um, you know, in Niagara Falls, communities you know um living in in some of our parks uh in front of the library at one point um so what what really what's going on behind the scenes like why is the city moving in this direction why did we hire the consultant um again back to the original question how big is this problem
4: well it's it's huge that's all i can say it's so huge uh and you know, if you don't live in the downtown area, I live downtown, I live on Army Street. And, and just when I drive out of my on Victoria Avenue, it's, it's there. <clears throat> so the city cannot or does not, not cannot, does not have funding for uh, low income housing or for uh, homeless people. We can only provide buildings, and or lands. So just what we've done, and it's gonna be open by December of this year uh, on the corner of uh, Armory Street and Victoria Avenue, there's there's the original old library. Mm -hmm. Um, The region has uh, gotten grants from the federal and provincial government somewhere in the realm of, oh, I think it's a little over $2 million and they're going to renovate that building and they're going to provide housing. Not not, uh, out of the cold programs. Uh, This is going to be 24 seven. There's going to be supervisors there. There's going to be healthcare workers there. There's going to be psychologists there. uh, um, And there's going to be, I I believe, uh, 28 uh, self-contained units. Okay. so. That is uh, uh, the first step in in trying to solve our homeless problem. The next step is we need to have affordable housing and so on Park Street uh, used to be uh, the old uh, farmer's market. It runs parallel to Queen Street. Um, We are doing an environmental assessment Uh, that property used to have a coal company on it and so there's a certain amount of contamination that we have to deal with but um, we're going to put out uh, memorandums well i'm saying the end of may uh, because we're going to build 200 units on that property for low housing and the region is going to uh contribute uh, funding for 35 percent of those being uh, uh, subsidized housing mm-hmm. so it's a it, it's a step in the right direction we we're dealing with not in my backyard mm-hmm. how, how can you do this but um, it needs to be done mm-hmm. yeah. and it it will be starting hopefully by October, which this time next year should be uh, completed. And I'm excited about it. The council is excited, excited about it, um, but it's the only thing that we can do. We, we, we don't have money to to buy a motel or, or things like that. That that has to be the region and the region's doing that already. Yeah.
1: So Joanne, in, in your findings, when, when you um, did your report are these the types of initiatives that we need to be doing and and what other things should we be looking at?
3: Well, Actually, when Wayne mentioned the the armory, um, the old library building, and it indicates to me what he's referring to is what they would call supported housing, is that there's going to be um, units for individuals and that they will actually have workers, um, you know, support workers who will be able to assist them. So people who um, there's a myth that you know some people cannot be housed. Um, that, that's a very, very small, small, small part of the population. But there are people who do need supports when they are housed. So um, that that really speaks to the um, the old uh, library um, initiative. So that's and that, that's um,
4: a transition process, right? Exactly it's exactly, not yeah. there
3: it's permanent right no but, but when they are there that they are actually um, receiving assistance that they have absolutely. continual um, supports um, and they just have a they have a roof over their heads um, yeah. they have a place where they can go um, you know and they have a place where they can put their you know their cell phone which is important right they, just, yes, they don't have to worry about going somewhere and, and being and being robbed you know so that's that that's security for them as well and then also to um, the farmers market, um, you know, working at these type of projects where something's being built. And there's also um, a commitment to making, um, you know, uh, let's say rent year to income type of housing or um, subsidizing housing. So that's that's another initiative. Another one that's happening that Welland has really taken charge with is even and taken upon um, an initiative by the provincial government are secondary suites in in homes um, or ancillary buildings. So that's another initiative that was brought about by the provincial government. Um, Some municipalities in Niagara haven't really stepped up to that um, with their bylaw changes, but uh, Welland is one that has, um, the government is allowing people to um, make rental um, units in their um, secondary suite in let's say in the basement. Um, They also can convert uh, garages yeah. and um make that type of housing available so, that, so that's another so sorry. that
1: means um i just want to understand this so uh, previously if you were in a neighborhood that where that
3: wasn't allowed it is now allowed it is it, the provincial government has has passed that legislation um but not all municipalities are up to speed i think in in changing their their uh, bylaws to accommodate that. welland has as an example um, and CMHC um, actually did um, note the number of um, secondary suites. They've been doing this for, for a while now, for a few years. So um, there's a number of them that have. So that's one way of actually increasing just housing stock in a neighborhood. It's not, it's sort of, um, it's a bit of a, it's, it's not going to solve the problem, but it indicates a way that even homeowners can um, maybe adjust their their residences in a way to accommodate a rental. And it, you know, it increases, you know, it, it makes it sometimes um, it accommodates people who, um, you know, who want that type of housing, um, who just need, a, you know, perhaps a, a smaller um, place to stay, or, you know, or just that, that it works out that they like the neighborhood type of living as well. So um, that's one way. And another thing too, Um, that we have to remember, and that just coming out of my brief was just from talking to people across Niagara, is that people really want to stay in their own neighborhoods. They want to stay in their own communities. Um, You know, if um, somebody has lived in St. David's and they want to retire, they want to stay in St. David's. That seems to be the message, Um, not just St. David's, but you know what I mean, everywhere in Niagara, people really want to stay in the communities where they've lived for a number of years. If you know, if that's the situation. So we're going to see that there's a demand across the the region for building. It's not just like, not just Niagara Falls or Welland or St. Cat, those larger municipalities is that we're going to see a need to um, increase housing stock and rental stock um, across all municipalities in Niagara.
1: Yeah, and I think um, um, to add to that, I I think um, here in Niagara, people also wanna live in the communities that they can where they work. Because, again, yes. Niagara was not built around public transportation, right? right? So we, <laughs> there's, there's no, um, you know, great integrated uh, system here in Niagara that gets you to work in an efficient and easy way. Not yet, anyways. Mm. Right. Uh, not hasn't been our culture. Um, if you live in Niagara, you have a car. Um, mm. But a lot of people don't have a car. And so, you know, um, t- to make that a little easier for them, they want to live
3: in the community that they work. So right. that's another issue that, um, you right. know. Yeah. And, and I think another thing is, is that even just with um, the aging population in Niagara, it's one of the older, you know, um, yeah. uh, regions. And also too, when you look at Smithville, the design for um, housing in Smithville, um, it's designed specifically for people to walk to, spe- you know, to areas. To get um, groceries, you know, or uh, you know, to just um, the amenities um, that some of these housing uh, projects that they're looking at are going to be built along. Um, you know, they call it intensification. So that they're building, um, they're looking to build along these corridors, you know, where there are shopping malls and and other amenities, so that people can actually walk to um, to uh, you know these. Um, can walk in their own communities and not have to worry about, um, or, or, you know, maybe beyond an age where they might want to have a vehicle or can afford a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: A, a great example of that. Um, just off the top of my head here in South Niagara anyways, is uh, Pelham. Uh, Fawn Hill. Hill.
0: they have yes. got a
1: couple of condo developments that are happening right at that core. Uh, you know, there's a grocery store, there's, you know, there's, um, um, the uh, health center, the restaurants, uh, the LCVO, banks, all, all within walking distance. So I, uh, it, it's smart. It's smart planning. And of course, those condos are all sold out. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but probably at a, a high price. Oh, yes. Yes, it is fun. Yeah. I, I think
0: we, we have to look at, you know, when we look at affordable housing, we, we have to look at it in a spectrum. So there's your different levels of the spectrum that can mm-hmm. go across like this. And, and that spectrum is... Councillor Campbell is absolutely right. Um, you know, uh, supportive housing is key for homelessness. And, and I worked, you know, in homelessness for many years and uh, nobody chooses to be homeless. You know, it's very, uh, and jo- Joanne spoke about it earlier. It's a very small population that can't, that can't just be housed. It's very, very small. But supportive housing is a key. So I think as as a as a region as, as South Niagara, we have to tackle, uh, as Councillor Campbell, that supportive housing piece. We have to make sure that there is counselors, mental health, uh, addictions counseling involved. Um, tr- you know, you need psychotherapy for the trauma that those individuals suffered in in their in their life. That so that that supportive housing is a key element, right? Um, and, and that has to be there in place. Then there has to be a rental component to it too, affordable rental component, because not everyone's going to jump into you know um, uh, you know home ownership. that's be that transition that portable rental component um, that's one of the things you know I was proud when and, and well and they, they made the secondary switch you know one of the things is maybe a two-bedroom basement apartments more affordable in a decent neighborhood is more affordable and the opportunity uh, for people that can afford work and move forward. So then you have the rental and then, and, you know, at the end of the spectrum, and that's kind of where Habitat comes in, you know, it's that home ownership, that's the piece that kind of allows maybe a family that's working in the service industry, working as Uber drivers, working in a hotel, because, uh, you know, a lot of our Habitat families work in the tourism industries, work in the service industries, and that that allows those families to kind of come out and hopefully generational generationally, they'll be out of the rental uh, market uh, and that, but, but if we don't look at it at that entire spectrum, um, we 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 can't be successful. If we're not looking at it in the sense of there has to be an investment in each community in, in in mental health supports and supportive housing. If we don't in homelessness, if we don't look at it, there has to be a rental investment, and then there has to be a a a, a, and, and a segment. And it's it's not the big a segment that looks at what is what is affordable home ownership in
2: Niagara too look yeah.
0: like yeah, though if we don't, and in all three of those sections have to be invested in. and And I'll tell you why that why I think that's important because you talked about people moving to Niagara, and we enjoy the housing boom. We enjoy our restaurants need people here, our businesses need people here. we We need people moving to Niagara. But people are going to move here because of the quality of life. And as as people of Niagara is is individuals of Niagara, if we're taking care of that three areas of spectrums of of housing that are needed, then people will see this is a great place to live. This is a, a sustainable place. This is a place has trails, walking trails, communities, has shopping, everything nearby. Then they're going to move here and our community will continue to prosper and our youth will want to live here and stay home with us instead of moving to Toronto or where jobs mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. So out of the ocean. So we have to focus on those three in, in different in different ways too. Like you can't just say, well, what is the problem? You have to say, okay, focus on all the three. So that's that's my thoughts on it. That's what we have to invest in. And uh, and it starts where uh, where um, Councillor Campbell was talking about. It. it starts with investing in supportive living, supportive housing for people
2: who are homeless. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mark, another thing that, that people are unaware of, part of this large influx is going to be the GO train coming down to Niagara Falls. And it's it's happening. And uh, that is going to bring an awful lot of people out of Toronto and Hamilton and those areas that uh, think it's cheaper to live in Niagara Falls and they can commute back and forth. And uh, that's going to change everything over the next 10 years. It's going to be a phenomenal experience.
1: Yeah, I think that they're projecting that we'll be at uh, over six hundred thousand people here in in Niagara within the next ten years. That's that's yeah. phenomenal growth. Um, yeah, fast. Um, I, and Mark, you, you put it so well. I I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if people understand that. Um, you know, before you were the CEO for Habitat for Humanity Niagara, you uh, had a long stint with uh, the Hope Center in um, Welland. And you know you were involved in in um, a lot of this um, for a long time, so you understand it better than most. And I I think the reason Scott and I really wanted to um, shine the light on on this issue is because it it affects more than just the people who who can't access affordable housing. It affects businesses because you know if if you've got an employee who can't afford to Um, you know, live in the community, um, and they have to live elsewhere, it becomes a challenge for them to get to work. Um, It just, it it does impact so much more um, than just the individual who's who's in that situation. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: absolutely. I I think, you know, Councillor Campbell alluded to it earlier, you can take you know Niagara-on-a-Lake for example you know you, you have service industry jobs there and you have no affordable housing and I'm not trying to pick on Niagara-on-a-Lake but it it makes it very hard for the employers or as Councillor Campbell said you know he knows of a hotel that is driving to Toronto to pick up staff because they can't get staff and I would imagine and anecdotally those staff are living in in multi-generational housing Uh, you know, probably, probably very, uh, you know, where there might be 12 people living in a house Mm -hmm. and they're, they're picking up those staff in those areas and bringing them down to work. How do you have a successful business if you have to drive to Toronto to pick your staff up every single day, right? It's, it's a challenge. So, you know, how do you, how do you recruit talent? If your talent can't afford to live your, your service jobs can't afford to live in the area that you are operating in or can't walk to your, your place of business or take a transit it, it becomes a real challenge and for the success of our our region the success of the businesses the success of uh you know the families and people uh, who want to see their children grow up near them we we have to make these investments in affordable housing so that the businesses can prosper as well
4: and you know the uh, the uh, highest area of unemployment in ontario is the fort erie crystal beach area and even if those people wanted to get a job in Niagara Falls, they have no way to get here, no cheap way to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously probably don't have vehicles or cars, but there's no transportation. And so the region is, is taking over transportation from the city's uh, authority, and the process has already started. And uh, it's going to take a little while, but there's going to be that uh, inter-community transportation system. It's going to be developed, but it needs to be done before before long, to be honest with you, because those people out in that area could be employed here in Niagara Falls.
3: Yeah,
1: and that's something that we've been working on for so long. I mean, Mark, when you were on council, I'm sure those were the conversations that – you guys were having about interconnected transit. I, you know, it's, a, it's an issue that we've identified a long time ago. It just takes so long to get there. And I know that, my goodness, maybe ten years ago, maybe a decade ago, um, some of the employers, um, attraction operators, and, and hotel operators were actually running shuttles in Niagara as well um, to try and you know pick up people who who could go and work. So. Yeah it's not anything new it just um it just this and we know what we need to do it just um it just can't happen on a dime
4: i i <laughs> it's going to take more than a dime <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know something else that frustrates me uh the niagara region at per capita is about the size of hamilton hamilton gets more i think something like three times the money for social services than regional Niagara does. And I know that uh, uh, the region is, is looking at that and trying to get a change, but those things don't happen overnight, unfortunately.
1: So would that be because um, maybe previously the the need in Hamilton was greater?
4: I don't know if there's an answer for that, Mm -hmm. Dolores, to be honest with you. I just know that uh, uh, I've been made aware of that just recently, Mm -hmm. and uh, the region is making strides to to change that. Mm -hmm. I don't know with this government if that's possible. Um, They don't have the money either. They're the the ones that get the funding from the province and from the the feds.
0: One of uh, Councillor Campbell's correct. It, it has been when I was in homelessness. The answer to that question is the the province has a, and I don't know if this has changed. So it's been been a couple of years for me since I've looked this up. It was it was due to do with rural a rural area. Uh, they did an equation on what your rural area was. So if you took Hamilton, it had mm-hmm. way less rural area uh, in the equation. So your density of population. So that's how they you know they they, okay. they calculated Toronto and all that stuff. Now that being said. Again, the beauty that we have of having areas like Waynefleet, you know, in between, we have a beautiful drive. Fort Erie, there's a lot of rural area, that creates a challenge for the social services. That creates a challenge for health. If you are, you know, living in Fort Erie, you have an affordable place to live, but you you, you got to drive an hour. To, you got to get a ride for an hour to get to the Saint Catharines Hospital each way. You know, it takes you, it takes you a, You got to take a day off work if you need to take transit to get to a doctor's appointment. Um, so it's it's a challenge, and then and then on top piled on top of that, the way that the province calculates out social service funding Niagara gets less than Hamilton or comparable areas, and then you have less money to solve these issues. Yeah. And it's uh, it's something a reality. It's something the government, I believe, the province has to change. It has to do it by population, because we would have very many very many similar challenges as Hamilton. And, uh, and and at the same time, we have to address that rural area transportation, the length between communities uh, makes it hard for people to, It's it, more around uh, j- access to jobs and access to healthcare.
4: Mark, thank you for that, because I was not aware of that. Uh, I, 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 at my age, I'd like to say I, I learned something new today, like I really did. That's, that, that, that's uh, obvious when you, it, it's so obvious when you said it, right? But thank you, that was... No, uh, I know a different direction.
0: Yeah, it's a, your rural. It's a well, it's an right. equation. It's a equation on the rural density of an area yeah. and uh, the uh, urban density. Sorry, the urban density of an area, leaving a lot of rural property left over. But Councillor Campbell still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> you know, it's still yeah, it's, no. But I understand
4: bottom.
1: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in your report, did you look at you know um, the way government is funding any of these initiatives or issues?
3: I'm sorry. Was that question directed to me? Yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't quite catch the beginning of it. So, one of the things that's happening, and this probably isn't a direct um, answer to you, but there is changes in funding actually from the um, federal and provincial governments um, over time. Uh, some of the uh, agreements that have taken place are have expired, and that there are new uh, programs in place by the provincial government. Um, that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, is that they're they're funding. For uh, municipalities over time is going to decrease, so that we're going to see in the next uh, eight years or so that municipalities will actually receive less funding, um, you know, her, um, uh, less funding um, than they they would have had in in uh, twenty eighteen. So that uh, so that there's more um, onus on municipalities to um, to fund their housing projects. Yeah. And I just if you don't mind me saying, if, if I can just jump in on, um, I just want to say that um, how well Mark gave us that illustration of the uh, three types of uh, housing that, you know, I think it just paints a good uh, picture of how the need for each community to have supportive housing, to also have that rental component and to, you know, be able to assist people if they're able to, um, you know, uh, transition into home ownership, and also to you know maybe the types of homes that um are on a scale that's that's a you know um they're not maybe larger homes that we've seen or that we're familiar with that, that have been built in the last fifty or sixty years um but homes that that you know that people can can afford to buy so um, I know I'm using that word in probably out of a context, but I think that we need to look at that so thank you mark for just for giving us that that uh, illustration and I think that's something that all you know uh municipalities should really strive for mm.
2: To, to that to that point, uh, Joanne, on the size of the homes, and I know there's another community in southwestern Ontario that's doing two projects right now, and and Mark, I don't know if this is something that that Habitat is will be involved in, um, uh, but the the two projects that I, that I'm aware of uh, are both one is affordable housing, the other one is just just a project, a development project, but they are all they're both tiny home projects, and of course that's a big. A big trend now in terms of you know there's some pretty fancy tiny homes out there, but in, in reality, would they not be a very good fit for for affordable housing as well? Mark, I'll yeah, yeah do
0: sure, things. yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they are they're 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 part of that that spectrum too of uh, you know affordable <coughs> housing. Uh, they, they, they serve, tiny houses serve a, a purpose of somebody who might be a, a single, especially we talked earlier about the, the wait times of people who are single indi- individuals who are waiting on the Nag regional housing list for eight years, 10 years to get an affordable apartment. Um, absolutely. There's, it, it is a, it's a big part of the affordability uh, spectrum. It, it's, it could be individuals that are seniors, retirees uh, who want to. Uh, often downsizing to a tiny house can be a challenge. Um, we'll say that if you, if you think of everything you have in your house and your lawnmower and your bike, and, you know, where, where do you go with it? Um, but it does, it does, it it makes, it makes a great answer for uh, especially individuals um, coming out of transitional housing. Uh, yeah. it's, it's great for that. It's great for individuals who are, who are um, um, becoming, maybe retired or is single individuals as well. Uh, and, and that's, that's a great solution to that type of thing. I think, if I could just chime in for a second I think you kind of keyed in on, on something there too part of I think for the municipalities when they're when they're allowing development into a communities we we in Niagara get excited that somebody's coming in to invest like we we kind of still have the the 10 years ago hangover somebody's coming to invest great right let's open the doors let's let them in let's go right and I'm not thinking, and and we need those developers we need them to build the homes we need those for that but I think our municipalities have to stop for a second and say where's the section for affordability? You know, where in the plot of land are we going to, and it could be tiny houses, it could be Niagara regional apartments, it could be townhouses, it, it could be stack condos. I think, we, I think you're right, whatever that is, that, that's what we have to, as a as municipality, stop ourselves and say for a second, these, these investments of, of 4,000 homes, 3,000 homes, it's great for people coming to our area, but where is the affordability component to this? And, and
4: that's what this Park Street development is going to be, Mark. Um, great. great, great to hear. You, you, you've worked with Bruce Ward. Mm-hmm. yeah, That's great to hear, yeah. He's got that uh, construction company, for want of a better description. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm working closely with him right now because he can build apartments up to eight stories. And he built that house here in Niagara Falls. Once the foundation was in, I think the roof, uh, the walls were up and everything was done in about 10 hours. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah just but that's what we're looking at that's that the affordable housing that we're we're trying to make sure that comes to the downtown area there
1: so mark i'm i'm just wondering are are you um at habitat seeing uh uh an increase in applications for for homes
0: yes oh yes yeah absolutely um yeah. you know we would on an average uh see a year uh, we'd see 80 to 100 applications and it's difficult because when you're building homes that's that's a lot of it may not seem like a lot of applications but when you when you're building oh. four or five it's you know it's 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 75 people do not get a home type of thing right so um, and, and we're very we, we do explain all the you know the ideas around it so um, yeah we are and we've, we've seen upwards of 120 140 coming up so it, it is an increase in it's you know um, yeah yeah to answer your question straightforward yes we do
1: And so um, just, uh, you know, this is kind of a heavy, heavy topic. Like I want to lighten it a bit. And um, what's the impact on the families that, that end up in a new home? I mean, I've been at some of the um, ceremonies where you hand over the key and, um, you know, it's it's driven me almost to tears. It's just so um, emotional. Can you, can you describe that for us?
0: Sure. It's the, it's the best part of the job. Yeah. Speaking of the family's uh, five years and and, and Professor Hertz spoke about it earlier, the indicators of health, um, you know, and I don't, I, I kind of always heard this before I, entered, I, I joined Habitat, I kind of always heard, you know, the kids do better in school, they feel, they feel more empowered, they have sleep, you know, all that stuff. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, and then now that when I actually go around and see the families, I'll tell you that that's, you know, they do, first thing they say is, you know, I didn't actually believe my kids would do better in school. They are doing better in school. Uh, you know, I, I don't actually, my kids have a sleepover. You know, we couldn't have a sleepover because the apartment was crammed before. Uh, you know, one, one family talks about, uh, they, they, they actually, they, they, they all went out and they all got jobs in the neighborhood and they, they, they just all went and applied in the neighborhood. They didn't live in that neighborhood before and they went and they applied now they they walk to work, they, they have family gatherings, they have family over all the time and they just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some of the the accessible I think about the family, we have a, a house being built right now in Welland uh, and it's, it's going to be accessible. Currently it's a single father mm-hmm. with four children, uh, the young guy Christian is in a wheelchair uh, he lives in an apartment that he actually has to climb up the stairs to go to his oh. bedroom. Yeah, he's in it. And he, they didn't have any other choice because he needed a four bedroom apartment. He needed, you know, four or three bedroom apartments. So it's stairs. So the young guy. So the floor is going to be accessible. The, the kids are so excited about that, that their, their brother is going to be on on one floor. Wow. Uh, it just, it just, you know, it, you see the children. It, it, almost all of our children go off to university in the habitat home. So it's not about habitat too. It's about that spectrum that we talk Mm -hmm. about making Mm -hmm. sure there's affordable. I don't want to just make this, you know, this conversation for South Niagara is about how do we invest and it It doesn't have to be habitat. It has to be, how do we invest to make sure Mm -hmm. that there's affordable housing for our families? And you know, whether it's a townhouse or something, you just see those kids are stable. They don't have to worry about moving. They don't have to worry about getting thrown out by a landlord. They don't have to worry about, they're not insecure about, am I going to be living in this neighborhood? Do I make friends with that child down the street because I've moved four times and it's heartbreaking to have to move again? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, this house is not affordable for my mother. uh, So therefore Mm -hmm. I know we're not going to stay here long. So do I invest much of my emotions into doing well in this school and and, and doing a great job in this school? So there's all those things that we talked to, you know, Professor had spoke about earlier those indicators of health. You know, how healthy is it for a family to be moving from apartment to apartment, on unafford- a and not being able to play any sports or receive any counseling that they require or or tutoring in math or anything like that. So that's that's you know that when we see when you ask what do we see, we see what most of us were fortunate to live our lives uh, to have, and that's that stable, secure, and safe house that we grew up in. And, you know, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but you know, we, that, that's the ultimate goal to have a safe, secure, affordable housing. And ultimately our goal at Habitat is that none of the Habitat children living in Habitat homes need a Habitat home when they grow up. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, that's the goal that we look forward to. So awesome. yeah. Well, cool.
1: that's a good goal. Yeah. Well, well Scott, uh, thought provoking, I would say.
2: Absolutely, and uh, so much great information on such an important uh, topic. Uh, It sounds like some good uh, progress is happening, but it's one of those things that, you know, uh, it's never going to go away, Uh, but it's good to see that attention is being paid to it. And uh, uh, Mark Carl from uh, Habitat for Humanity, Wayne Campbell from the City of Niagara Falls, and Joanne Hertz from Brock University, thanks so much for, for joining us today. It was very informative.
4: Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. It was great, thank you.
0: and and we should say the region amongst municipalities is working very hard to solve these problems, and we, there should be credit due where credit is. Yes. and you know yes. the Niagara Regional yeah. Government and each of the municipalities are yeah. trying to address this issue. So, yeah,
3: yeah. all right. Yes, yeah, we should give a shout out to Niagara Regional Housing as well because they are they're just doing an amazing job. So, all yes, right. thank you, thank you very much. Shout out to them then. <laughs> okay, <there you> go. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Uh, thank you. Next. Stay safe. Next
1: week's conversation um, is going to focus on the impact of the pandemic on Niagara Falls and the tourism industry, as well as what tourism will look like post-pandemic. With an estimated 30 million visitors to this world-renowned location, this past year has been beyond challenging. Joining us for the conversation will be Richard Taylor, President, Niagara Casinos, and Joel Noden, Director of Marketing, Hoco Entertainment and Resorts. To all of our listeners, send us the topics that you're talking about because we want to talk about it too. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in and have yourselves a wonderful day.
3: Thank you.
2: Bye.
1: Bye Bye.